Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Liberal MP Joelle Lightbound resigns as Quebec caucus chair after criticizing the government's approach to the pandemic. I think it's time to stop dividing Canadians, to stop pitting one part of the population against another. I can't help but notice with regret that both the tone and the policies of my government changed drastically on the eve and during the last election campaign. From a positive and unifying approach, a decision was made to wedge, to divide, and to stigmatize. The Prime Minister maintains mandates are the way to avoid further restrictions. It's been two years and it's, and it's really, really tiring for all of us. This government has been focused every step of the way on following the best science, following the best public health advice. And Conservatives are split on whether protesters should stay in downtown Ottawa. It is time for the protesters to end the blockade in Ottawa and the blockade at the border crossing in Western Canada. It is time for the protesters to go home to their families and their communities. It's Wednesday, February the 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. Let's start with the fact that a, a liberal MP uh, has broken with the party, Joelle Lightbound, who uh, was the caucus chair in Quebec, uh, has, has said that uh, he doesn't agree with the approach the government has taken on vaccine mandates. What do you think this means for the party, for the prime minister, and for the debate about this issue, which obviously is raging right now with this protest in downtown Ottawa. Yeah, well, it. Um, I'm not surprised that this is happening, uh, because after all, you know, the the pandemic uh, writ large is the biggest public issue facing the country right now, uh, on the political level, on the public policy level bureaucratically, you know, right across the whole spectrum. And uh, where it does reach into every home and every life, uh, we shouldn't be surprised at that, especially two years later, everyone's so exhausted with it all. Um, And, you know, uh, this MP, Mr. Lightbound, obviously feels strongly about uh, uh, his points of view. And this is, you know, you could look at it as a welcome bit of... uh, uh, uprising from the back bench, uh, which we hear too little of. I mean, you know, Mark, sometimes, uh, you know, political analysts like us, we, we look at this and we go, oh, these poor backbenchers, they're utterly ignored. They never, what they say doesn't matter. And they're, they're nobodies as, uh, Pierre Trudeau called them. Uh, but then when they do rise up and say something, we go, oh, look, they're all out of control and running around like mad dogs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this, I, I think Mr. Lightbound, uh, you know, he made a pretty cogent argument for his point of view. And this is something that I think that all the parties are going to have to deal with. I mean, believe me, there's no solidarity in the other caucuses either. They, they just haven't had it boil up yet, perhaps in the same way. I mean, look at the conservatives. They're all over the map. Yeah, and, and I think you raised a good point, which is it's very rare in Canada for a member of parliament to, to disagree with the party's position on something. But it's it's not so rare in other countries, the United States, the United Kingdom and elsewhere uh, for, for members of the same party to disagree about an issue. And our reaction to it, unfortunately, probably reinforces the 
the dynamic. Uh, we make a big deal out of it. We make it seem like it's a failure of the party leadership if not everybody is 100% in agreement, and, and that probably contributes to the pressure for, for parties to stick together rather than have debate. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And, and, you know, there's a lot of good arguments to be made for increased independence among the non-cabinet members of all the caucuses. And, uh, you know, um, and, and I, I think, you know, Mr. Lightbound is reflecting concerns of a lot of Canadians. And uh, I don't agree with them. But I do think that he is reflecting concerns that are held in, in many uh, households around the country. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, since we're on this topic, I think it's worth mentioning that there is perhaps something to be discussed and analyzed about the way we have reacted to different points of view during this crisis. Uh, and I'm talking about the coronavirus pandemic, not not just the last couple of weeks in Ottawa. But um, there there are different opinions. And uh, it does feel at times as though rather than acknowledge that and address that, uh, there has been... Uh, more of a kind of us versus them approach to uh, on both sides to anybody who has a different point of view. Yeah, uh, and you know, there's there's no symmetry in the information that people have absorbed on all of this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I consider myself reasonably well educated, but I, I struggle to understand immunology and the chemistry behind vaccines and, you know, uh, protein spikes and all these terms that I'd never even heard before. And uh, I don't know how much information is getting out there. And if you look at the way the protesters uh, in all the places in Canada where this is going on, the way they discuss government and civics, if you will, it's they have no information at all on how politics or government works in this country. And um, I don't know if it's education that we should blame for this, but, uh, you know, it, it's uh, there's a severe information gap. And uh, I think unscrupulous people and uh, uh, mischief makers have been able to drill into that information gap and cause a lot of trouble in the process. Like uh, I'm talking about the, the anti-vax movement, which capitalizes on people's ignorance of the issues that are uh, in front of them. Yeah, and let's talk about where we stand at this moment, because obviously the, the protest is continuing. There there has been talk of, of police and other authorities doing more to contain it uh, or even start to dismantle it, but we haven't seen a lot of change yet. Um, uh, what, what, what we have seen, though, in the last 24 hours is several provinces saying that they are going to move towards removing public health restrictions as we emerge from the Omicron wave. Uh, there, there might be some protesters who will see that as a victory. I'm not sure the two things are, are connected, but we did see Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Quebec all talking about that yesterday. So uh, that, the timing of that, I think, was interesting. Yeah, um, but you know something, Mark? Uh, Jason Kenney... Uh, who has uh, not led the country in terms of wise leadership during this pandemic. Uh, you know, he's folded like a cheap tent. They're going to pull everything back. You know, it's going to be a free-for-all and let the bodies lie where they fall. Uh, but the truckers, or the protesters, I should say, down at the Coots border said, oh, that's fine, but we're not stopping. That's not enough. We want more. And they're, you know, talking about getting rid of Trudeau or 
or upsetting the whole apple cart constitutionally. So, I mean, what more? Now, Kenny and uh, Scott Moe in Saskatchewan have totally given up. They've handed everything over to the protest side, and yet they're getting nothing back in return. So, uh, you know, um, I guess you can make public policy decisions um, thinking that the worst of the pandemic is over or we're just going to have to live with it or it's not my fault if people die, whatever the argument is that's being made. Uh, but at the same time, if you think, if Kenny or Mo and these guys think that it's going to bring about an end to these protests, I don't think they understand it. And uh, the protesters are just... Uh, feeling they've got the bit in their teeth and, and they're ready to go. Yeah. All right. They're sending exactly the opposite message that it should be sending. Mm, yeah. All right. Let's let's turn to the conservative leadership race for a moment, Dan. And and there are, you mentioned earlier that there are splits and divisions within each party on what should happen. And the conservatives are clearly divided on whether the protesters should stay in downtown Ottawa or should go home. There are some saying they should go home, including Michael Chong uh, and others who, who continue to show support for the for the demonstrators. Um, how do you think this is impacting the conservative leadership race? And and there, there's already some discussion over whether uh, Pierre Poiliev is the is the uh, clear front runner in this race. There there aren't really any other uh, significant candidates who have indicated they're going to run, but other names are being mentioned. Um, what do you think about where this race stands at the moment? Well, I think it's it's uh, quite evident. You know, there's there's rumblings out there being reported in the media yesterday about uh, uh, you know supposedly a discussion going on within the conservatives over whether they should have a really fast leadership uh, uh, decision you know don't drag it out don't allow a lot of uh, campaigning just uh, slam the door as soon as possible and obviously which would be a massive advantage to Pierre Polyev because he's already a politician I mean that's the only job he's ever done is politics everyone in the country knows his name and, uh, you know, or let the thing play out and let other potential candidates emerge and make their case. So the Conservatives are going to decide what they want on that. But obviously, a shorter campaign greatly advantages uh, Polyev. And uh, so they're heading down that track is what it looks like from the outside. I, I have no really good interior idea of what their uh, actual deliberations are. But, uh, you know, Polyev is rounding up endorsements quite quickly. And, uh, you know, he's off to the races. But, you know, uh, the Conservative Party is an interesting group of people. And there might be folks out there who think, you know, what the heck, why are we handing this over to this guy? And uh, they want to make their case and they've got a thousand issues to talk about. So, uh, you know, we'll see on that. But right now, I mean, as you say, there there is nobody with a, a well-recognized national profile who has emerged to challenge Polyev. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't really, I don't think there's a long record of coronations being good for parties in terms of their eventual electoral success. Uh, I mean, no matter who becomes leader, they've got a damn good chance of becoming prime minister someday because the conservatives are... Uh, the second largest party in the country. But, uh, you know, uh, slamming the door on a democratic debate about who should be leader may not be the best look for them, uh, for them in the long term. Mm. All right. Great stuff, Dan. Appreciate your comments on all of this. Thank you. Okay, Mark.
That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. I still am hopeful that the government will change course. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In McLean's, Paul Wells considers the Lightbound crisis in the Liberal Party. Wells writes, Joelle Lightbound's news conference was a detailed prosecution, not only of liberal policy on COVID-related restrictions, but of the liberal manner of governing over at least the last several months. I believe his sortie constitutes the most serious threat to Justin Trudeau's leadership of the Liberal Party of Canada since Jane Philpott quit the federal cabinet. Lightbound's broader argument that this government has been leaning way too hard on get-with-the-program as an argument for way too long is not only reasonable, it's obvious to anyone who can see. At cbc.ca, Aaron Wherry argues the protest convoy could cast a long shadow in Canadian politics. Wherry writes, The key lesson of Ottawa's siege might be that it's difficult to get populist, anti-democratic anger to leave once you've invited it in and allowed it to get comfortable. If the closest political analogy for the convoy is the Tea Party movement that emerged in the United States a decade ago, the big question is whether the convoy's anger and anti-democratic spirit will be allowed to become entrenched in Canadian politics. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues with the protest moving inside Trudeau's caucus, it's time for a restrictions rethink. Martin writes, It's easy and popular for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to demonize a vaccine protest when it comes from a mob of horn-blaring barbarians at the parliamentary gate. But when the pushback erupts inside his tightly muzzled caucus, it's time to put down the matches and let cooler minds prevail in the Prime Minister's office. Just to be clear, there's no point in governments talking to Freedom Convoy leadership with their bizarre plan to overthrow this democracy, but it is time Trudeau suggested a compromise to help end the standoff. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault will make an announcement on the Canadian Environmental Protection Act. And Tourism Minister Randy Boissonneau will announce a federal investment to improve high-speed internet access in Alberta. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, February 9th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.